This is MarTech Interviews, a podcast from DK New Media, publishers of MarTech, the leading publication for sales and marketing professionals to research, discover, and learn how technology is driving business results. Your host is Douglas Carr. Oh, welcome back to MarTech Interviews, everybody. And I have fast becoming a good friend now uh, in the industry. I have Randy Frisch on the line. Randy, how are you, sir? I'm great. I'm great. I, I'd say we're, we're friends now at this point. I mean, you come to my conference and I consider you a friend. So there you yeah, go. We've got that in the books, right? Last summer you were there. Hopefully you'll be back uh, this August. I'm And I'm coming up to uh, Chicago to see you as well on your on your Uberflip Connex tours. Fantastic. Nice. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I'm doing something a little bit different when I come up too. I'm actually there's there's actually a business uh, business class train from Indianapolis to Chicago that I'm going to give a try. So, oh, very cool. Yeah, yeah. I, did that, I did that with uh, my VP of Finance and Ops last year. We went. We had to go to Ottawa from Toronto, and we we took the train and and we just did it in style. It yeah. was fun. Yeah, yeah, it it looks like it's an incredible opportunity. So I'm I'm going to I'm going to give it a shot and we'll see how it goes. But today, today we're going to talk about, you know, uh the last time that I talked to you was at Connex and you had said that you were going to launch a book and that you were going to publish a book and now that book is published. And uh and and uh why don't you tell everybody why you know, and I think we talked about this last time, but a refresher to everybody, why you felt the need to to really attack this subject. And then uh, and then we can get into the book, which is a lot more tactical than I expected it to be. So uh, I am absolutely impressed and, and want to tout it to everybody. Well, well thank you. And, you know, I'll, I'll clear up the, you know, the mystery with everyone who's listening in and they're probably saying, why does he keep calling it the book? Like, does he not know <laughs> the name or you know, did Doug not do his research here? Like what's going on? I, I dropped the F-bomb in the book and, and before, you know, I'll tell you the, the name of the book because let's get the mystery out of the way. Uh, you know, the book is called Fuck Content Marketing uh, and, and Focus on Content Experience. Uh but but let me be clear, because a lot of people have, have looked at me and they're like, you know, are you trying to be Gary Vaynerchuk? Yeah. Are you just like, do you run around and swear around the office all day? What's it like at home, Ruth Randy? Yeah. I, I I will assure everyone, like I'm a I'm a pretty easygoing guy. I I'm not overly vulgar, you know, to really like drive it home. And I, I don't know if you know how many of the listeners have kids, but there's this there's this benchmark now for like what type of parent you are. And it's it's measured by whether you'll let your kids watch Deadpool, right? <laughs> Which is you know the the Ryan Reynolds you know yeah. Marvel like uh, you know movie. And I'll I'll let everyone know my kids you know who are seven, nine, and eleven we're not allowed to watch Deadpool yet. Well, you're uh, a be- you're a better parent than I am. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So so we you know we, we don't necessarily throw around words like this at home, but. I really felt like it was the right term to to use in this case. And, you know, Doug, you and I have talked about this before. Just, you know, so many of us are so focused on creating content. Um, but what we often don't think about is how are we going to use it? So my point in, in kind of, you know, attacking content marketing with, if you will, is what it's become versus what it's intended to be. And, you know, you know, I had people on my own team when I wrote this as a blog post a few years back uh, who said, you know, wouldn't it be safer to go with stop content marketing? Uh, and and I said, no, that's that's not the point. We don't want people to stop creating content. 
Um, I would argue even, you know, that that my position is a little bit different than some people who say like, okay, focus on like creating really good content, not bad content. Of course, that's true. But the point in the book that we get to is that there's no point in creating all this content. In fact, almost 70% of content goes unused. Uh, if, if, if we're not going to find ways to leverage it in our go to market, to leverage it in our demand generation campaigns, in our inbound funnel, uh, in our ABM nurtures, even arming sales reps. So the book really looks into how do we do this and how do we set up for the expectations that consumers have today? Uh, it's, and I think you're absolutely right. You know, the content strategies are definitely a focus with the organizations that I consult and execute with. And I'm, I'm always aghast at, you know, uh, you said it, right? I go into their analytics and then I start pointing out to them, you know, which pieces of content actually had an impact, not just, you know, socially sharing, um, you know, maybe were, uh, you know, referenced in, in third party articles or that actually drove, you know, kind of engagement and, and conversions. And that percentage is so tiny. And I think a lot of it is simply because someone didn't have a strategy. They they just didn't do the planning of what they were going to write, why they were going to write it, and then how they were going to promote it, you know, and and of course, what content did people actually want, right? Absolutely. You know, it's it's funny actually. I I I'm sure you know Matt Hines. Yep. Um Matt's a good friend of mine. I actually saw him last week and and he spoke at at one of the Connex tours that we did in Seattle. He'll be at the one in Chicago. He he spoke at Seattle. He he revealed a report and and there was I had a huge relief on one thing, right? Which was he talked about like the things that we care about from a content metrics perspective. And he said, you know, we've gone away from caring about things like uh, like likes, right? You know, thumbs up, social likes, like, you know, how many likes or how many shares did this get? We're moving away from that as a benchmark. But I think where we still are stuck is, as you just hit on there, is this idea, you know, how many people came to that piece of content? How many people engaged on that content? And that's important to a degree, but it's more important to say they came to this asset and then they continued on to a next asset. Yes. And from there, they went on to, you know, maybe even a third or fourth or fifth asset. And at some point along the way, they bought from us or they continued to buy from us if that content's being used for existing customers. Or, you know, you know, we, we avoided churn of our product in some sort of way. And that's that next step that we have to start thinking about with content. And to your, to your earlier point, we're not able to look at it that way right now because and, and many marketers are guilty of this. We high five if we just see high conversion on that asset or high engagement or time spent on that asset. But, you know, we're doing so much research out there. Um, you know, a lot of people say there's an IDG report as an example that says, uh, you know, seven pieces of content are needed until you're ready to buy. So let's not celebrate one because you may be one that they did and they may do six with your competitor, right? right? How do you get to the point where you're monopolizing the time? You know, Gartner has research out there now that says 82% of the time spent in the buying cycle is done doing research, only 18% with sales. That research is reading your content. How do we monopolize again that 82% of time to be with our brand so that we earn more of the 18% with our sales reps? Yeah, absolutely. And, and part of that, of course, um, you know, we're talking to you as an author of a book, but part of that, of course, is why 
you know, what, why you guys built Uberflip, right, was to basically personalize and, and help silo and focus the attention on the content that people were searching for and, and consuming. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, I, 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 I don't want to paint that visionary type of, you know, experience, but I, I mean, in many ways we were at a time where, where we kind of said to ourselves, what's going to be next, right? Cause this was back in 2012 that Uberflip was started. We had started to have the idea before that. And what we were seeing was a huge trend on things like inbound, right? Like if you remember back 2010, 2011, inbound was huge, right? Yep. HubSpot came out with that term. We were all turning ideas to creating content. And what we said to ourselves is like, okay, people are going to figure that thing out. Then they're going to end up with this problem of having a lot of content. And what are they going to do with it, right? And the, the challenge that we saw was that to do something with content, you know, on the web, we need to know how to use a CMS. We need to know how to code. And those are some skills that marketers have, have definitely picked up along the way, but by no means are they experts. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you have uh, the, and, and I'll walk people, you know, kind of through the, you open up the book with the state of the union and we've talked about that uh, a little bit. I'm going to talk about it a little bit more, but then you talk about how to personalize content experiences at scale. And then, and then you really get into some great, great, advice here as far as, you know, organizing your marketing team and, and how to basically commit to this. Um, let's start with the personalization piece. Cause I, I might've written a book, you know, uh, if I was going to pick a book nowadays, it might be, you know, uh, personalization. <laughs> and the reason yeah. why is because people think personalization is percent, percent, first name, percent, percent. Right. And <laughs> so true. And and really what you're talking about is you can't have personalization unless you combine it with a personalized experience. Right. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny, though. I mean, you know, to your point, it wasn't that long ago, what, maybe five, 10 years ago that when we would get an email from a big company like Apple or whoever, and we're like, oh, my God, how do they know my name? Yeah. Like, that is wild. Like they had emailed like millions of people and, and they actually know my name. They care. Right? Now, you know, like I, I go into my hotel room and I, you know, when I'm on the road and, and the TV's already on, it says, welcome to your room, Randy. Right. And I'm just like, okay, they're pulling from the database. All yep. good. Right. You know, sometimes to be honest, you know, it'll have, you know, the travel agent's name on there when I land by accident. So I, I'm That's not allowed by that in any way. To, to your point, what we need to get to, if you will, is the meat, right? That you know, that copy that welcomes me or whatever it is, we see that even on websites now. You know, you could come to the website and, and they know your company, they know your name, and they personalize the site for you. But what we want is we want the actual meat there. We want the content, the thought leadership to be personalized. And now that could be personalized to, to our company, to the industry I'm in, or all the way down to say, you know what, Randy, I know what you like. I know what you care about. And, uh, and some of the examples you know, that I, I talk about in the book are things that are granted not in our B2B marketing lives or our you know, complex consumer purchase lives. They're in some of the, just the, the tools that we use every day, right? Things like Netflix, things like Spotify, right? Spotify to me is a great one where I open up that app uh, on my phone. I love music. Uh, and when I do, it literally says music made for you. Right. And, and that doesn't mean that they're, they're creating music for me. Right. Um, you know, back to content creation, 
don't get overwhelmed and think that for personalization, you have to create a piece of content specifically for each person. It's more so just starting with the idea of curating the right assets. That's all that Spotify is doing. Like they're not, you know, doing ACDC is not creating a new track for me. Right. <laughs> right. But, but, but they're pulling up, you know, a little back and black or thunderstruck for me because they know that that's what I like. That's what I enjoy. And they curate that amongst other content. That's the beginning of personalization. Right. Or if you will, that's the next step in evolution beyond first name, as you called it. Yeah. And to do that uh, at scale is virtually impossible, right? For a Spotify, obviously, they couldn't say, you know, what kind of playlist am I going to put together for Randy? And and that's where your book really goes into. In order to do this at scale, you've got to adopt a framework that can help you with this. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, you know, we, you'd be amazed at how companies like Netflix and Spotify do this. We think it's all algorithms. There's definitely, you know, some advanced learning going on, AI built into there to allow this. But there's also human interaction. And I think that's where we think as marketers that either we don't have the tech and the sophistication to do it. And as a result, we, you know, there's no way to get started. The reality is it's a balance. And it's actually, you know, there's a lot of this, you know, process and technology that can be implemented in, you know, within your company. Um, you know, the framework is designed specifically for that, you know, for clarity. It doesn't have that much to do with technology per se. Um, it's more a process for your team to approach. You can layer in technology to achieve scale with the framework. And it's a five-step process that walks you through the idea of centralizing content, organizing it, getting to the point where you can you know, step three, personalize, and then moving on to distributing that content and generating results from it. You know, and it's it's a bit of a shift from where a lot of us think because we just think about creating content, which isn't part of this framework, and then jumping right to distributing content. Right, right. Which is the, you know, hey, we got to write three blog posts a week. <laughs> Go. <laughs> right. And then we click publish, right? We're like, okay, social person, go put it on LinkedIn. Right. So let's say they did that. Let's let's go through that scenario where someone says, OK, I wrote a great blog post and now it's done and I put it up on my website um, and, and I, you know, I get my team to share it on LinkedIn as a post. Right. And let's say it's it's such a, you know, sexy, hot topic that someone clicks on that link. Right. And even if they engage in that full post, if we have not thought around aspects such as what piece of content comes next then all they're going to do is they're probably going to see the next chronological piece that's next, right? Which may have nothing to do with the topic that we're writing about now, or might be for a very different persona. Or if it's an asset that we wrote three months ago, we're trying to use again, the, the asset that, that was you know created a day before may no longer be relevant, right? right. So, you know, we, what we're doing at that point is we're saying to someone who clicked on, on the LinkedIn ad, remember, that's where we started. They, they consume this piece of content. What we're saying to them is, well, we don't have anything else for you, so go back to your LinkedIn infinite scroll, right? And keep scrolling through LinkedIn, right? And and if if you're not connecting with this as a LinkedIn example, think about that on Twitter, think about that on YouTube, thinking about that even on the emails you send people, right? If you get them to open the email and click through that one asset, if you don't serve something next, they're going back to their inbox and there's 20 other emails waiting for them. Uh, And you're nailing it, absolutely. and then, of course, part of that is after the framework, you talk about the organization and how the organization needs to adopt this. And I, I, I love this, and I'm I'm not tooting my own horn, but literally yesterday, 
I was at one of my clients and begging the salesperson for input, you know, on the content strategy. And it's and it's because that person is outward facing with prospects. Here's all the negatives, all of the questions, all of the positives. And so he or she knows better than I do, you know, what people what is the information that people are actually seeking out there. And so what I love is, uh, and this was the chapter that did it for me, and I really hope people, you know, go go pick up your book, but the organizational alignment where you have, you know, this content quarterback kind of above it all, but you have demand generation, editor, graphic designer, analyst, and community manager. And then you have included in this, you know, in this process, you know, support, sales, operations, so that you can hit kind of on all of the cylinders of the organization. And I I love this because that's where I see a lot of problems is I see someone guessing in the marketing department on what piece needs to be written while other people are getting asked questions every single day within the organization. Yeah, it's, you know, you hit it dead on there, right? That, you know, the, the challenge is, is that we view content, the problem of the content marketer, right? And, and that's why when, when I came up with this title and it was like content marketing, my team was like, you are going to offend every content marketer we work with and every content marketer we want to work with. And I said, no, no, no. they're going to agree with me. Yes. They're going to agree. They're going to say like, fuck my job. If no one values the content that I'm creating, I need them to use it. Like to your point, sales, success, whoever it is in our organization, we need those to be the individuals that say, how do I leverage this piece of content? So the, you know, the final part of the book really unpacks that. It goes into this idea of how do we start to appreciate that this, this isn't a single person's role, or if it is, we might need a new individual on our team, someone who's less of the writer and more of the orchestrator, you know, and we call that the content experience manager. I know a lot of companies who have started to hire for that. Um, you know, some are, are kind of bridging their way there, but you know, that is, that is the ultimate, uh, you know, solution here, uh, which is, which is sometimes scary for people. Don't get me wrong. The idea like, okay, I got to go tell my CMO that I need a new headcount. You're well, I can't say enough good things on it, by the way, by the way, one of the funniest things that I read in the book was that uh, you don't like Star Wars and uh, and you said you were one of five people on the Internet. So I just want you to know that now you found another person on the Internet that doesn't care for (laughs) Star Wars. So we have to find those we have to find those other three people and have our own little anti Star Wars convention. You know, I, I think movies <laughs> like like music, you know, it's, it's all just personal taste. Yeah. I see I see the art of, of Star Wars. Yeah. I'm just more of like a Marvel guy. Right? Yeah. So like you, know, you can equally make fun of me if you if you need to for, you know, my obsession over, you know, Captain Marvel a few weeks ago or whatever, whatever's coming out next. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I there's a part in the book where, yes, I, I kind of. Uh, I, th- there's a bit of a Star Wars reference, which went over my, my head. <laughs> well, I, I'm just telling you that I loved it. And uh, yeah. on, a, on a side note, kind of an anecdotal uh, story, you know, I was in South by Southwest and I decided to go to a bunch of content sessions and, mm-hmm. and just kind of experience. And, and so I'm in these halls with, you know, there's probably 500 to 1,000 content marketers within that hall. And I, I have to tell you that I felt like those people were in absolute pain and that's why they were there. And the the pain was that they were having a hard time, 
getting organizations, you know, either either an organization that was going to hire them freelance or consultant or whatever, but to see the value in content. And so where I bring that back to the book is this is why this book is so important is because a lot of times content marketers aren't providing the value where content experience and keeping people and informing people and organizing your and and strategically looking at content is going to provide that value that if you're a talented content person, whether it's video, audible, uh, written or whatever, your companies that are hiring you either as an employee or a subcontractor are going to be able to see the value that you're bringing that organization. And, and it's, and it's, you know, an article written two different ways or, or an article written the same exact way, but presented, you know, through an experience versus through, like you said, a chronological order can have so much more impact. So this is, this is an important book. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Yeah. I, I, I think you, you hit it dead on. It's, you know, and, and I actually think we, we probably undervalue the content marker and the organization, right. And, and to your point, it's that we're not leveraging those assets to show the goal that they've created, right? Yeah. You know, the, the, that stat that 70% of content goes unused, that doesn't mean that that content doesn't make it onto your website. I'm talking like used in your marketing campaign strategically, used by your sales reps. You know, th- that's the difference. And if you do that, all of a sudden you're going to be able to start to attribute back to the value of the content. The problem right now is we think just because we create it, they will come, right? Like Field of Dreams, Kevin Costner. That doesn't happen, right? So, you know, we need to get to the point where we leverage that and we'll naturally start to see, you know, how talented these content creators are. Well, and especially since, you know, if you're not going to do it, your competitors are going to do it. And and so if if you just don't have the experience set right – um, you're just not going to perform as well as your competitors are. So it's a it's an imperative yeah. for companies. I'll, I'll leave you with this with this idea, which is you know I, I had a, a CMO reach out to me a couple months ago, and and she said you know like I keep hearing about content experience, and you know I've decided that it's going to be something that we do in Q4, right? And I was like, yeah, I kind of <laughs> laughed to myself, and I was like, all right, like what do you mean do in Q4? It's like no, we're going to start to you know ramp up on content experience in Q4. We, we don't do content experience now. She's like, but I keep reading about it. And I said to her, I said, you know, the idea of doing content experience, you have a content experience, whether you put yeah. focus on it or not is really, you know, the, is, is the question. But, it, you know, content experience, if you just strip down what we're talking about, it is the experience when someone encounters your content, right? Yeah. Is it a good experience or a bad experience? Or maybe look differently, is it the experience that's helping you win deals or is it actually helping you lose deals? And I think when you start to look at it that way, we realize that creating content is enough, right? We have to think through how it will be consumed, just like Netflix does, just like Spotify does. That's why those companies are worth billions and blockbusters have all turned into Starbucks. Amen. Amen. Ah. Beautifully put, Randy. Well, uh, for everybody out there, we'll have in the show notes uh, links to uh, Content Marketing, uh, the book, Focus on Content Experience to Drive Demand, Revenue, and Relationships. And then, of course, I would I would absolutely recommend to everybody that you attend uh, Connex, uh, both the main event in Toronto, and then right now you guys are on, on tour with the event as well. Uh, and when is that coming up in Toronto, Randy? 
Yeah, so so we have a roadshow stop in Toronto too, but the big event is end of August. So August twentieth to twenty second, uh, we've got you know three days of, of a great event. You know, Doug, you know, I, I partnered with Jay Bear to put yep. this event together. It's amazing. Uh, yeah, some of the speakers that we have coming up this year, I, I actually can't announce them yet. But if you go to connex.uberflip.com, you'll see a whole bunch of great names that we'll unveil over the next few weeks, uh, including a little bit of uh, you know star power uh, that's going to be fun to have. Fantastic. Well, uh, and we'll put a link in the show notes to that as well. Randy, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been amazing. Awesome. Thanks so much for, for having me on. You bet. Subscribe at martech.zone. Sponsorships and marketing services are available through dknewmedia.com.